This is the Raising Athletes Podcast, Season 1, Episode 14, with Dr. Tommy John, founder of Dr. Tommy John Performance and Healing Center. Hi. This is, I'm, <laughs> Once you know it's for real, you're like, uh, 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 uh. Hi, I'm Kirsten Jones. And I'm Susie Walton. And this is our podcast, hashtag Raising Athletes with Kirsten and Susie. Our passion is supporting parents and raising not only strong athletes, but extraordinary people. Join us each week as we tackle all topics youth sports, including everything from early specialization and overuse injuries to helping our kids feel empowered and learn how to advocate for themselves, not only in the classroom and on the court, but at dinner tables and in their communities. We'll be talking to coaches, athletes, parents, and anyone else who will speak to us <laughs> about their experiences with youth sports and their paths to success. And even more importantly, their failures. Yes, we're going to get into the gritty details of what went wrong so that we can all learn from it, teach our kids and ourselves how to do better next time. Because in the words of Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. So welcome to Raising Athletes, because we love to win too. Let's do this. With master degrees in health and exercise science from Furman University, Dr. Tommy John played professional baseball for three years with team, three different teams, including the Los Angeles Dodgers. After his career was abruptly ended from a rare infection in his throwing shoulder, Dr. Tommy developed his own baseball performance company, providing over 11,000 baseball training sessions for baseball enthusiasts from ages 6 to 30. Additionally, he expanded his practice of personal training, sports performance training, and rehabilitation of all types of soft tissue injuries. As the son of renowned Major League Baseball pitcher Tommy John, who played in the Major Leagues for 26 seasons and was the first person to come back in 1974 from the revolutionary surgery named the Tommy John surgery, it is not surprising that Dr. Tommy developed a passion for propelling for proper healing and physical function as he witnessed firsthand the outcomes of injury, innovation, and principled healing. Today, we asked him to give parents some insight into the youth sports injury world and advice on how to proactively raise a healthy athlete, as well as learn how to stay healthy yourself. We really enjoyed this conversation. We hope you do too. Hello and welcome today on Raising Athletes. We're so excited to have Dr. Tommy John on, but we, before we introduce our guest, let us tell us a little bit about ourselves. I'm Kirsten Jones, a peak performance and sports parenting coach. My passion is helping others align their values with their mission and their mindset to get what they want in life. As a former Division I volleyball athlete and a 14-year Nike executive, I have always been curious about what makes peak performers tick. As a mother of three young athletes and someone who is currently in the middle of supporting my oldest son's dream to play basketball in college, Susie and I have created this podcast to help other parents who are trying to raise not only strong athletes, but more importantly, extraordinary people. And I'm Susie Walton. I'm founder of Indigo Village, a mom of four amazing sons and a grandma of nine even more amazing ones. <laughs> I'm a speaker, author, family coach. I've always loved sports. I was an athlete myself. I'm still playing beach volleyball. My passion is kids, and one of the best ways I know how to support them is by supporting their parents and creating the family of their dreams. 
So welcome, Tommy John, Dr. Tommy John. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate the opportunity. So let's start with a little introduction of yourself. Your name, you know, in sport, the sports world is, is famous. Um, maybe you can give us a little uh, overview for those who are, might be um, not familiar with the, with the history of it and how it became so famous. So, so my name, Tommy John, I'm a third and my dad is the junior. And I think a lot of people recognize that name as being attached to a certain surgery. Well, my dad over 40 years ago um, was the first to go through uh, an experimental arm surgery. And um, with his efforts and him figuring out the process, he ended up prolonging his, his career another 14 years after an initial 12. So then they ended up calling the surgery after him because he was the first one to come back from it. That surgery being Tommy John surgery. Did you ever have that surgery yourself? I know you, your career was shortened as well, but was that a reason? I did not. Uh, my career, my career was shortened. I was having a little bit of shoulder pain and just to be proactive and preventative. I had an MRI done just to make sure everything was okay. And they injected dye doing the MRI and the dye got infected. And then my shoulder kind of rotted away and I had to, I, it ended up doing me in. And, and the results of the MRI were negative. There was nothing oh, no. that was wrong. Yeah. So me being proactive, but it, it led me to exactly what I'm doing today. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it got me in a rehab room. It got me asking about injuries. It got me obsessing about training and performing and preparing that, uh, you know, sliding doors, here I am. Which is so cool in a way that what it created, which is the, this book that we want to talk about, which is going to be such a phenomenal tool for parents and their athletes, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but maybe we can start with how you got, you know, so you, you talk about getting to where you are today because of your injury. And you've done some incredible research, which is in your book about this kind of the current state of, of youth sports and youth athletic injuries and what's happening. So could you kind of talk to us? Not, it's not only, you don't only focus on baseball players, right? You've kind of treat any athletes. Yes. And that's, that's the important part of it um, is that we're seeing youth sports injury epidemics in, in all sports. And so it's not just specific to baseball. We're seeing them in football. We're seeing them in volleyball, basketball, soccer, Across the board, we're seeing things at epidemic proportions, not just kids getting injured, but at epidemic proportions, and that's just not normal. So in my 17 years of being a rehab and performance, sports performance specialist, I, I started to see trends where the issues and injuries and dysfunction I was seeing in the 40, 50, and 60-year-olds, I was noticing in all athletes, males, females, all sports, 10, 11, and 12 years old. So something wasn't right. It was ringing that, that there was some, some sort of upstream cause, and I wasn't at the forefront of it, and I wanted to get down to it. And so that's when I ended up going back and getting my chiropractic degree and putting it all together. And you end up diving in and seeing that, that a lot of the problems we're seeing at the highest level of sports are stemming from what our culture is at the youth level. So other things aside from the Tommy John you're seeing with concussions, with ACLs, kind of talk about those. Yeah, so we've got concussions are up 500% in the last four years. Um, is, this, is, this for, is this for kids? 
or all? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 uh, it, it's across the board. It's across the board. But this, this next data specifically, um, ACL surgeries um, have increased 60% over the last 20 years in 6 to 18-year-olds. A um, six, like put that number there. And I, I spoke to a, a reporter not too long ago. He witnessed and observed a nine-year-old ACL surgery. No way. And, and a basketball player. Like that, that's just shouldn't happen. And, and then what I'm also noticing are stress fractures in the spines of swimmers coming in. And, and they're teenage swimmers having, having stress fractures at the spinal level. And I wish it would stop there. And here's the sickening part of it. And this is something that I have intimate uh, history with, with a, with a brother, but um, kids are coming in and they're being medicated with psychi psychiatric medications because of their, the pressure to perform, creating an anxiety and a depressive kind of a state. And they're needing to be medicated because of this, this push and desire to succeed at such a young level that they can't handle it emotionally and intellectually, or the pain that they're suffering from their injuries is so bad that they're having to be medicated because of a depressed outlook from that. So we're getting into like mental health situations as well. Which is really because of overuse or early specialization. Is that what you attribute that to? So it's, it's a lot of things, right? But that, that is first and foremost, it, it's now science is starting to note the greatest risk factor as to whether your young athlete will get injured or not is early sports specialization. It's now become the number one risk factor. Is it everything? No, but that's where I'd look. Meaning playing more than eight months, competing more than eight months a year in a single sport early on in their, in their career. Yeah. And you were saying, I saw one other statistic around pro football players, something like 70 to 80% of pro football players were multi-sport athletes, right? I mean, all of our generation were multi-sport athletes. <laughs> right, now right. It's I, becoming a very rare thing, right, to have I, kids who play more than one sport, right? Yeah, I, I think the last draft, um, the, the first round, all first rounders, so 32 teams, 30 or 32 teams, I think it was over 90% were multi-sport athletes. And then if you took the whole draft, it ended up dropping to like 83% or something like that. So it, at the highest level, if, if we're idolizing and watching these people on TV and we're going to do everything possible to be like them, they all played so many sports. Like, let's just start there. Okay. If the greatest in the world aren't playing year round at that high level, there's no way your 10 or 11, 12 year old can handle that. Mm -hmm. And what you said, there's been some, uh, studies have shown the benefits of multi-sport athletes. What, do, oh, yeah. what, do, what are the benefits that these athletes have aside from better performance even? Yeah. So this is kind of cool. So um, the studies show that they got better grades. They were more likely to get better grades. They were more likely to eat breakfast on the regular, on a regular basis. They craved better foods. They got better sleep. They had less depression and self derogation they they were they like like alcohol and smoking abuse like there was less incidence of that like playing multiple sports and becoming such a well-rounded person who's who's a well-rounded athlete is has such a profound impact beyond just 
you being the best athlete at your sport, getting a scholarship. Because again, and I, I keep saying this, in our timeline of life, the, the amount we play sport really at the com- really high competitive level, it's such a small fraction of that whole thing. But the decisions we're making in that small fraction of time are affecting these kids in their lifeline. So are you talking about multi-sports even in high school? Because that's where it gets tough. You know? that, that's such a great question. And, and that is where it gets tough. So, so here's the thing. If, if you do it right, and you allow your child, young athlete, to experiment and explore. Because there's a good chance, because maturation rates vary kid to kid. So one year they may excel in one sport and love it. And the next year they may not be good at that sport just because they grew differently. But they're better at another sport. So that, if we can do that and allow this development to happen, then by the time they're 13 or 14, you can start the specific approach you can start to wean down and, and whittle down but um and, and by all means if they still love it like i had to i had to give up basketball my senior year of, of high school and it tore me up i felt like i was quitting i loved it i i loved playing but it was one of those things okay i'm about to be a scholarship level division one athlete i'm gonna have to sacrifice that so i can work year round to hone in my skills and take this to the next level that was my senior year. And I ended up being the best player in the state of Minnesota in 1996. So, so I specialized that, that last little bit. And that's really where, when it comes down to, because you've, you've created a better foundation. You've built upon that. Now we can get specific and start to focus on one sport or, or less than three or less than, you know, yeah. two only. You know, with my four sons, they all play division one ball, basketball. So, like you're saying, as I got through those years of high school, it was all going into basketball. But as you're talking, I'm like, but they all had surfboards. So they all surfed. Nice. They all body surfed. They hiked. Yeah. So it wasn't, those weren't any team sports, but as a family, you know, we'd all go down to South Mission, yeah. bump volleyballs. So they all learned how to play, though I couldn't get them to play a volleyball at that time. <laughs> but the thing is, right. we're talking, like, my kids didn't really do multi sports in high school, but they actually did because they were so active in those other areas, even though they weren't like a part of a school team. You're, abs- you're absolutely right. And that's what I tell, like there's nothing wrong if a kid truly does love only one sport, but there's other things to do. There's a game plan to do. And that's part of it is being as active as possible, usually outside, hopefully outside. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It doesn't have to be for competition. It can just be for life. Because right. Life. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 80% right. of girls who are still active at the age of 13, not necessarily competing in sport, have, have success of, of not being obese by age 25. You know, the, oh, wow. Yeah, the Canadian health um, study was done a couple of years ago. And it, when girls quit sports, particularly females, quit sports before the age of 13, the likelihood of obesity skyrockets. So just yeah. whether it's playing, you know, like you said, surfing or, you know, it doesn't have to be for a trophy or for a, a big company. Absolutely. Well, I know yeah. when, when I graduated from high school after playing volleyball, basketball, and swimming, I decided I was done with sports, went to a junior college, drank some beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did I ever put on the pound? So two years later, I went to UCLA and I tried out for their volleyball team and 
it almost killed me. But I made the second team, but I realized, you know, and this is kind of somewhat different, but I realized how important it is to keep up the sports part of life, even if you're not on a team. And that in itself is probably another whole topic we could talk about. Like, yeah. how do you transition to <laughs> self-discipline? Um, and then I realized that from that point on, I just have to stay active. It's just who I am. Yes. It's not going to serve me not to. So that's my story. <laughs> not doing sports for two years. <laughs> But, but um, and now at 67, you're playing, still playing volleyball. I played four man tournament last week. With my son <laughs> made it to quarterfinals. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. I know. I agree. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, seriously, has solutions. So we talked about the problem and where we're going, but let's talk about the solutions in your book: minimize injury, maximize performance, the sports parent survival guide. This is so awesome and so necessary. And we were talking before we started about how do we get the word out on this? Because I think it's kind of one of these dirty secrets that we're not <laughs> proactively solving for, right? Well, my kid's not injured. I don't need this. But you, you talk about, you know, even having a, a tryout test you created. Yeah, so I want to hear about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. How do we administer so the, so the tryout test? Yeah. What is it? So if we think, so it it actually stemmed from me thinking, well, one, it's it's loosely based on what I do in my office. If somebody comes into my office, regardless of what they've got going on, I look at them as an iceberg. Okay. And a lot of the times we only look at what's above the water and people observe only what's above the water, which is such a small portion of that entire being, that entire entity of the whole iceberg. A lot of it lies under the water. And so every person that comes in has specifically like an injury fingerprint is what I call it, where I'm trying to find out what's under the water. And a lot of the times the body will tell you versus the educated of the person, because you can't rely on, hey, so what, what is that? What's going on? Because they'll, a lot of the times they're just inaccurate. But when you follow the clues and the breadcrumbs the body leaves behind, you're spot on. And if you listen to that and honor it, a lot of the times things are going to work out well. Well, the tryout test is literally, it's nine tests that measure the functional performance of any aged athlete. And, and it takes more than just the physical. The, because there's so many times that we look at an athlete and they excel. They're just prematurely developed and they did nothing about it. That's just how they are. And we're like, sweet, you're good, move on. Like, you, you get a, parents have called it a hall pass. My kid gets a hall pass because he excels. No. And then I'll run them through the trial test and they'll fail eight of the nine. Now it's not anything to be ashamed of, but it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, we got to work this, 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 because being good at 11 and then injured at 14 or not playing anymore, as you discussed, you know, um, uh, where burnout is most likely to happen. And then all the things that happen after that. So it's stuff like grip strength, just something simple, like hanging from a bar. We should be able to hang. We would call it monkey bars. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, no, no. <laughs> I know, I know, and that. Continue on. I know, and that's the thing. Okay, so <laughs> it's a very primitive move, but um, something that we should we should excel at 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 and and different amounts of time for different ages. Yeah. Um, another thing as simple as just standing on one leg. Now, a lot of people will be like, what does that have to do? Oh, oh, just balance. Well, no, it's, it's measuring hip flexor compared to the extensor on the other side through the foot and brain development because balance organizing all that 
you can find learning disabilities in some of these texts. After they bounce around on them, you can ask questions like, hey, how's, re- you know, how's their reading or how's their speech or how's their language comprehension? And a lot of the times when a test is very, very poor, it links to some other learning situations in school. So the physical capacity of a, of a human goes much far beyond sports. Um, another test is a gymnast bridge. Uh, just, just doing a gymnast bridge where you, where you lay on your back and you press your hands and your feet and you arch up reverse style. It, that's pass fail. Cause I couldn't find times on that. I just, but not, I'd say 97% of the people come in and fail it. Really? And, and you should just be able, yeah, should just be able to pop up. I'm gonna, like, I'm going to come can't, to you, but I'm going to practice all this before I come see you. Because <laughs> I'm kind of a competitor. <laughs> well, I'll come, I'll come up with some special tests for you then. That, that uh, yeah, pop quiz. <laughs> right now and try it. <laughs> right. I got stuff in my head right now. I'm like, ooh, that'd be good for her. Oh, oh, you know what I could do with her? Um, but no, I, what's so great is that oh, I, I was talking with somebody else and they were like, wow, your tryout test it should be really administered by a physical therapist or a professional of some kind. Like, no, it's the fact that we've gone too much into professionals to raise our kids and help do the, it's back in your hands. So a parent who has no training in this whatsoever can carry out the trial test. That's what's so great. Now, to keep the objective nature of it, we could have another parent measure your kid and then a parent, you know, because, oh, my son's good. <laughs> you know, they... And that's fine. That's fine. They all want them. Or honestly, the athletes can measure themselves up to a certain point. Coaches can carry it out. And that's what the whole point was about this whole four-part plan was putting the power back into where it belongs, which is where the solution is going to lie in the homes with the coaches and the player themselves, rather than the organizations or the specialists, which is where we've looked to, and they're just spinning their tires. We shouldn't have to go to some facility in Florida or Texas to solve this problem. It's in everybody's homes. It's in your cupboards. It's in your technology. It's in your beds. It's everywhere around the majority of the time. Because if you think in 168 hours of the week, how much are they with their team? Maybe 20 on the, on the insane part of it, you know, on a youth level. So who are they hanging out with the other 148? They're at home. They're at home or with their friends or within the family unit. And that's the biggest goal of this whole thing was not just to raise a healthy athlete like we've talked about, but a healthy family unit together. So how do we prevent injury and performance-proof young athletes? Like, can you talk about your four R's? Yeah, yeah. So it's a four-step process. It starts with rethink, replenish, rebuild, and recover. Um, and, and a lot of this is not, it, it's not, it's not reinvented. It's not cutting edge. It's, it's the stuff that works has always worked and will always work forever. I always say like, I didn't rewrite the book on performance and healing. I just brought back the chapters. Everybody's been skipping. And so this four part plan are those chapters that everybody's kind of put off to the side. But again, no single one is more important than the other. And no one can be done more and we'll just skip and come back to that. They all play off each other. It's a very holistic approach because that's how injuries and healing and performance is maintained and expressed. So the first one we got rethink, it's the reasoning behind everything. We have to look at the current model and the way we've set up. It's almost the look in the mirror type move, you know, and everything we've been doing up to this point, is it best for me? Is it the best for my child? 
we got to make some changes. And once you make that claim, once you make that call, now we start with the replenish section and it's bringing back those foods that have been void in a child's, on the child's plate and in their nourishment plan. Because for the first time in history, we've got food or food-like substance available at all times. But we just really, but we're more malnourished now than ever. <laughs> so we're, we're overfed, but we're malnourished. And there's a, it's a paradox in terms, but we're eating stuff that's not food and, and, and the, the consequences, not just your inability to repair from, a, from an injury, but just life, just, just being able to practice and play and fall down and surf and swim and climb and, and do all these things. It's bringing back some of those ingredients in a very simple, healthy, natural way. In the book, there's, I, even, I even give a website on how you can locate a local farm so that you can go tour a local farm and get meats and eggs and cheeses and milks and, and vegetable and milk and vegetables from a local farm in your area, or, or there's delivery methods. Um, there's just so many easy ways on a budget, on a, on a budget, you can do it for a full family. Um, uh, the rebuild section is the training portion, quote unquote. And it's, it's really based around this long-term athletic development that a lot of countries and a lot of systems use to raise the best human athletes to the highest level of performance in addition to avoiding injury at all costs. And, and one thing I just want to be clear on, we're not invincible. It's not an invincibility plan. <laughs> if something happens, great, that's sports. You get injured, you heal. And you come back and you're done with it. But a lot of the times now we perpetuate this culture where it's like, oh, pain manage. Uh, keep moving. Manage your pain. Don't fix any. Just manage. Oh, chronic? You're, you're stuck for life. Chronic just means it's not done healing. It, it's still healing. That's why we feel it. But it's in the process. It'll never stop as long as we're alive. So this whole kind of method is... is kind of based around, um, you know, one playing off the other. Um, and with this long-term athletic development plan, it's basically like we did when we were babies. You guys, you guys had kids. The first thing they, you can't stop them from moving. As soon as they're out, they're moving. And that movement is planned. It's part of development. When they bring their hands, excuse me, when they bring their hands and feet in front of their mouths, and in front of their eyes, they're doing that for a reason. When they're on their backs and they're moving their legs and arms, when they're on their stomach and they're holding their head up, they're shaping their spines, they're learning to resist gravity, they're pre creating a balance factor. Then they start to cross crawl on the ground as they push off the ground with their toes, all in preparation to walk and then handle these more highly complex skills like the deadlift, the squat. A baby is a perfect squatter. It, it deadlifts perfectly. Nobody teaches it how to breathe when it deadlifts. Nobody tells it to keep its back flat. So we all have this little, this little baby inside of us. The only thing is we have the educated that a baby's rep scheme, it attempts 30,000 steps to take three successful ones. Wow. Now, if they could speak, they'd be pissed. <laughs> and they would, express, they would express that. So there's a reason they don't have their voice developed yet and all they can do is cry but the adults if the adult had that failure to success ratio there's no way uh this isn't for me not doing it but the baby never taps out it keeps figuring out a way and we have to barricade them in in the kitchen because they're they're off they're moving they're climbing they're exploring and so it's 
it's bringing back those principles of how we developed our greatest training results ever were from zero to two years old. We went from yeah. almost paralyzed to like walking. You were talking um, about grit and resilience too, right? Oh. So can, can you, I'll put you on the spot a second, but I'm sure you've got a hundred of these. Yeah, hit me. A, a client that you've had recently that you've seen come in that had, you know, a, a, maybe an athlete, a swimmer or somebody who's come in that was a, was a big mess and kind of what you were able to do to help them get back to life. This is, this is a good, good question. So, and you, you, you said the specific sport, actually. Um, she was a former swimmer. A very, very, very successful one too. So she was one of those Olympic hopefuls. She was the one. And you look at her body and her build, her torso and her leg lengths, like, like there's a certain genetic thing you can't, you can't change with body type, you know, and just her build was a swimmer. Well, she got into the youth sports engine early. She was in that cycle early. She was up, parents were driving her. Now this was what, just what, the information was given, she, she started to get injured early on and it was disregarded or it was figure out a way to keep going back in the pool. Well, fast forward to when she was 19. She was on 19 different medications. She had 42 total dislocations in both shoulders, three, three shoulder surgeries. She had stretch fractures riddled throughout her body. She is the epitome of what, what we've got now. Like we take this youth who had promise and, ability, and we burned her out as hard as we could. We got everything we could out of her. She swam in college. She did a little bit and that was it. Well, okay, now she's 19 on 19 medications. And some of those were psychiatric in nature. She was having a lot of depression from the pain, from the pain that was just unrelenting. And nobody could figure this out. So guys, she moved from the Bay Area down here with her husband to heal. He, uh, he luckily had a, a job that he could be mobile. So they moved to San Diego from the Bay Area. She came in three days a week. She had her assignments on her own that she was supposed to do. We revamped nutrition, everything, meditation, everything. We, we covered it all. At the six-month mark, she kicked all those medications. She was medication-free. Now, it's important to know you're not done healing ever. So she'll be dealing with this forever to make sure this doesn't get her, you know, that this doesn't come up over in this snowball because life punches and it's continuing to punch at her. And because of her, I don't know, 10 years of, of what that was built on, that foundation, she's got to reshape that for the rest of her life. But to be off all meds in six months, and she was, I mean, I, I, She's been on news programs with me because she does some feats of strength that you wouldn't think 42 dislocations on her shoulders and what she's able to do. It just shows the resilience of the human body. But again, that comes down to her. I, I didn't heal her. The book didn't heal her. It was the principles that she took provided by the book that you, you heal you. That's on shirts in my office. <laughs> you ultimately heal you. Everyone's like, can you fix me? No but I'll, I'll stand next to you and we'll go <laughs> walk forward together, <laughs> you know? Um, and now she's moved back. Her and her husband moved up to Oregon and they're off and she's got, she's on the road to, to healing, but it, it's a great story because she was the product of what we're seeing now. And that's just swimming. 
we right. could apply it to all sports, you know? So that's the latest. And that's just one gets me. It, it, it almost, it gets me emotional because she was doing what was told. She, she was being driven to places and she, all she loved was competing and swimming. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. But the way the system is set up, it's, if you love that, it's almost like a curse <laughs> to, to love and express that you love a sport. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> you well, know? It's hard when your body's healthy too. And people tell you, you've got to rest. You've got to eat well, because you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. You've never experienced the setback. And unfortunately, a lot of times we have to experience the setback before we start to do this work. And so the gift, I think, to the parents out there listening, right? And I have some friends yeah. whose sons are playing baseball right now too, and but all sports. But yes. hear, you know, the injury rate is just going through the roof and being proactive in the recovery in between every workout. And I mean, I have to force my 17-year-old, like, no, you can't go to the gym today. And right. he's like all <laughs> angry at me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's <laughs> sleep till noon. I mean, my mom got me out of bed at eight on a Saturday to right. vacuum. Right. And I'm actually let you sleep in because I know how important that is for his growing body, right? Right, right. Absolutely. And that's in there too. Sleep and naps is huge. And that that's one of the things that no matter where you are on the timeline, whether you've experienced an injury, you haven't, even if you don't have kids that are athletes in your family, but you know of kids, this book, you can apply the principles across. It's a human performance book, not a sports performance book. So well said. Awesome. Well, we've taken so much of your time, but we're so <laughs> appreciative of you spending time with us and sharing this. And um, one thing I loved was that you don't have to be live and in person with somebody, right? When you work with them. So maybe you could tell our listeners about how they can work with you, even if they don't live in beautiful San Diego. <laughs> ah, yes. Yeah. So, um, we're all not lucky enough. <laughs> so because of the way that the, the approach, because of the way I approach it, I'm again, just a guide. So I, I've been FaceTime rehabbing, um, and Skype sessions with people and I'll devise a plan. I'll run them through basically the trial test that's in the book. And we'll have a discussion, we'll go into stuff, and then they have a plan that they can administer. And I'm basically in their living room through video like we're doing. And the results have been pretty fantastic, actually, for the ones that apply it. And so you can reach out to me through my website, or we're going to do a website at the end here. Um, but it is possible that if you do have, or you or yourself, any injury at all, or just want to be on the proactive side of it, and just want to get this thing done and, and get a little kind of clarity on what the book delivers, um, by all means, I'm, I'm available to do that. So drtommyjohn.com, right? Yes. And I actually have a new website that's a book landing page that I just finished. Mm -hmm. So it's called don'tcutmykid.com. Ah. Don't, don'tcutmykid.com. I love Yes. That. Yes. <laughs> and I was fighting for that to be the title of the book, but it didn't happen. So don'tcutmykid.com, but it's, it's shows, it, it's just everything, everything for the book and where to buy it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I feel so blessed that you're here in San Diego. Um, you know, my kids grew up in the world of chiropractic and I'm so happy they had that because, oh, nice. because, you know, there's athletes and, you know, we did the, we did the, the Western medicine too, but I think it's a beautiful balance. Yeah. So what you're doing yeah, is absolutely incredible. Um, and so you've given us how to find you, right? 
Those are the two. Yes, ways. you can. Okay. Yes, my website, drtommyjohn.com, and then don'tcutmykid.com, and all my social media is on there as well. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with us, Dr. Tommy. I look forward to meeting <laughs> I appreciate you your time. in person at some point. Truly, I'm going to call you and make an appointment because <laughs> I can see you in person since we're neighbors. And parents, if you enjoy this and, and know other sports parents who is trying to get better at supporting their teen of figuring out their path, please feel free to rate and share this podcast on iTunes. Um, I think parents out there, this we've had some great, I mean, every time I say this, but really this, this podcast, because I raised four athletes myself and I was an athlete and their dad was an athlete, like this is huge. <laughs> like, where were you? Where, how come I didn't find you years ago? <laughs> you know? I know. But you were probably growing up the same time my kids were. But um, <laughs> it's just important, you guys, you can make it this whole journey of being an athlete and being in the world of sports and actually a pleasant experience by just yes. a few of the things that, doctor, that you talked about today and getting your book for sure. And not only prolonging your career, but again, you're enjoying the process as you go, right? Absolutely. And having it be a pleasurable, you know, with what Susie and I talk about a lot, which is really raising not only great athletes, but extraordinary kids, which involves their, I I mean, I think the, to me, the biggest piece you said was, you know, how do we raise kids that are more content, happier, you know, if they're eating better, they're sleeping better, like all of those things are, are, are what we're, we're looking for solutions for. So thank you so much for writing this book and we hope everyone reads it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks you guys. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on. All right, take care.